Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, ambassador of 805 Connect and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. Thanks to our podcasting partner, Polstring Press, for this great studio, and to Patrick, my co-host. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Mark. The coffee has kicked in. Oh, I love it. Patrick, I'd like you to meet our guest today, Garrett Tesla. Garrett, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I, this, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. Good, you, me too. Uh, yeah, you do a lot of things. You work for the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Office. Yes, correct. And What's your rank? I'm a sergeant. You're a sergeant. Right. Um, and you're a podcaster. I am. So we're, uh, uh, to the listener, we're, we will dig in and out of a little podcasting talk. Because <laughs> there will be some insider <laughs> baseball trading here going well, on. Well, it's interesting. I, I talk to a lot of people now, um, podcast, of course, as a podcaster, that becomes something you talk about. Yeah. And you talk to people who's like, I really want to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. And then... It, the I, pre-addiction. Yeah, exactly. Before it's hit. And it's not like I'm some old timer with this, our 74th to be specific yeah. uh, show, but we started just a scant year ago. Not even. Not even a year. No, you, you may, May or June last year. Oh, that's year. right. So, <laughs> it, it, but that part of it is so much fun to have a voice and, and do this. So your show's called The Squad Room. Yes. Tell me about that. Uh, the squad room is, uh, like I said, or as you brought up, I'm a patrol sergeant for the sheriff's department. I've been uh, a sworn officer for about 10 years. Huh. And it started as a uh, personal development idea that uh, I needed to improve some uh, personal wellness things, some of my health and fitness. Uh, and uh, that uh, I figured that if I had these same issues that I had to deal with, other people were having to deal with them too. And by people, I, I mean specifically first responders. You know, the, it's kind of the same things we all deal with, sleep deprivation, uh, stress management, lack of physical exercise because uh, of rotating shifts, that sort of right. stuff. So right. um, I wanted to, to take the opportunity to maybe help pass along what I was trying to learn, but also huh. uh, leverage the ability of a podcast to maybe get in front of people I wouldn't normally get in front of and ask some high-level experts uh, to tease out how they optimize their lives and try and learn their tips and tricks on how they live their life, and then I could maybe relay that to an audience that I care very deeply about. What has been the biggest surprise? Uh, a lot of surprises, but oh. um, I think the one uh, that keeps coming up is that uh, I, I've talked to people who I never thought would pick up my phone call. Hmm. And That's interesting, isn't that? You say, oh, I do a podcast, and they're like, oh. Yeah, yeah, it immediately piques their interest, but also the... Um, Kind of the willingness that if you if you put yourself out there and my show is very it take kind of has a two elements we're talk, like I say interviewing these subject matter experts but then kind of documenting my own experience trying to apply those lessons in my life and trying to get better at a lot of mm, different things mm. so I document a lot of my own experience and um, the more open you are the more people are receptive to <sighs> you and um, I've gotten some great response both from listeners and from uh, guests who have just gone uh, above and beyond to help 
more than just being a guest on the show. They put me in touch with other people that they think might help or send me other resources or uh, that sort of stuff. So that's been a lot of fun. So they see you're on this personal journey and you're documenting it as you go. Yeah. I mean, I'm on episode. Uh, I don't I don't produce at the at the rapid rate that you guys do. I do about every two weeks. Uh, I have an episode. So I'm about a year in as well. Um, so I only have about 29 episodes right now. Uh, but um we're Every, not keeping track. We're not keeping but doesn't, track. doesn't that there's that moment because we we kind of have these all of our podcasts on the network have these kind of like crossover moments where they hit a certain girth that you realize if I just listen to these all day, this would take over a day to listen. You know, like it would yeah. take you. You couldn't listen to it in one day. You couldn't just sit still and listen to your entire. I'm actually going archive. back through all my archives right now. Are you? Yeah. yeah. To 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 kind of compile all this stuff into some ebooks and that sort of stuff. Sure. Uh, and so, but I have to go back through to make sure I'm not missing stuff. And yes, I'm doing that right now and it's taking quite some time. <laughs> it's, it's, you start to realize, well, this was when Mark was dropping a lot of our, our of the first 805 conversations was uh, people were saying like, I'm really excited, but you know, it's like three in a row seems so daunting. I don't know how I'm going to get through three hours of, of right. conversation. And you're like, just just start with one. I'm, just do one hour. I got hooked on podcasts when I was assigned to our Carpinteria station. Uh-huh. And I had a long commute during rush hour. And I could get through three podcasts, no problem. I mean, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm totally hooked on everything from Serial yeah. uh, to yes. your show to um, uh, some other leadership podcasts and personal development podcasts, Joe Rogan even, that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. You just made a face at Joe Rogan. Well, it's like a guilty pleasure, right? Like guilty pleasure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really interested in uh, the life of a a public servant, a police officer, a sheriff, and and that is, um, I I hold you guys in such high regard. Well, thank you. Um, Same with the military. I mean, you're protecting us, and you're putting your life out there. Um, so when I see guys standing, just a couple of cops standing there, I say, you know, you're out there uh, chasing crime and cheating death. And <laughs> you sounds know, like a 1970s TV totally show. Is. We totally <laughs> use that all the time, actually. Uh, no, I know. Yeah, 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 no, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a cop thing. That's a, cop, that's right? a cop. Oh, okay. yeah, and, yeah. and And I had been around cops out at UCSB. And so I, I like to say that it, it endears me instantly. And it's, you know, it's like, it's okay. Um, but it's it's really a hard job, and what is where's the what's the passion that drives you in that job? Oh wow, um, I, we could spend all forty five minutes or Fine. so on that question. But um, you know, I I worked in the music industry before I was in what? Yeah, I was a director. I was a director level in marketing and product management for uh, major labels in a movie studio in L.A. Like an A and R guy? Uh, I wasn't so good at A and R. Uh, I was I, I did A and R for a little bit, and I kind of dabbled in it when I was working at an indie, um, off topic. But since we're in Santa Barbara, I'll tell this one. When I was in LA, uh, trying to get into A and R because I thought I was going to discover the next big thing, I got yeah, sent yeah. to go see this acoustic uh, acoustic player who showed a lot of surf videos in between his songs. Oh, and uh, <laughs> I went I went to the show and thought. No one is ever going to buy this yeah, guy's records. Yeah. Certainly is, not sell out arenas yeah, and stadiums. Who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, certainly not be one of the top selling artists of like all right. of 2007 or whatever. So yes, yeah, so I went to my boss. I'm like, nah, yeah. not going to happen. Skip it. Yeah, yeah, skip, skip it. it. And he said, "Why don't we tell the audience who that was?" Jack Johnson. Yeah, of yeah. course. <laughs> who, who, by the way, I played some of his songs at my wedding, and yeah. now have a bunch of his albums. But yeah. Uh, yeah, in that time, so no, I wasn't. And there's a long list of bands that I walked away from going, nope, never going to happen. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Are you watching out. vinyl? No. On HBO. on HBO? Yeah. No. Watch vinyl. Watch vinyl. Yeah, well, yeah. they have a whole line that's exactly that where the guy walks in and all of his AR guys are like, this ABBA. 
they're never going to do anything. And he's just like, really? Three bars that I know that they're going to be huge. What's wrong with Yeah, you? there's yeah. another band called uh, Kara's Flowers that I walked away from going, I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't see yeah. why they're going to be so big. And they changed their name to Maroon 5. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously I belonged in law enforcement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that old that old statement, uh, collect stamps. Yeah, that's right. be a better gig for you. Uh, but to answer your question, to get back on track, um, you know, for me, I was I was sort of in uh, misalignment. I think in a lot of my twenties, that's a great job to have. Uh, in, I was living in New York City out of college, and then Los Angeles, and uh, there's a lot of great things about it. But for me, I was out of alignment, and I was starting to search for um, ways to, I guess, get in alignment with my own values and, and beliefs, and. Uh, then September 11th happened, huh. and um, that, and you were in LA. I was in LA, yeah. and that and I just left New York actually, and that sort of crystallized uh, that uh, I needed to serve in some respect. Hmm. Um, I was it was I, I had no knowledge of the military. I didn't grow up in a military family, so to me, I was 23 at the time, which to me sounded like it was too old to be in the military. That's I, I don't know why that was my impression, but it was. So uh, I had started doing ride-alongs. Uh, with LA Sheriff's Department and some other agencies down there. Now, how did you? So that's just not something you stumble into. If no one's ever done a ride along, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's right. Quite awesome. Yeah. It's quite a lot to, of fun. to do that. How did you hear about it? Uh, I had. I don't know how I originally heard about it, but I heard that LAPD and LA Sheriff's both have reserve programs where you go through their full academy. And then you function as a reserve. You don't get paid, but you you donate like one night or two nights a month, and you are during that time a sworn officer. Really? But you keep your day job and your day and life. So you did that? No, that's what I originally wanted to ah. do, and I thought, okay, well, I'll serve this way. I'll, I'll donate, you know, forty-eight okay. hours a, a month, and I'll go do this. Uh, but I kept doing run-alongs and kept having more and more fun, and realized that I was drawn to that as as well a calling, for lack of a better term. And so. Uh, by my, my then girlfriend, now wife, and I were trying to figure out, well, okay, if this is the change that I'm going to make, uh, where are the places that we want to do this? Because I didn't mm. necessarily want to live, uh, do a 20 to 30 year career in Los Angeles. Um, those guys deal with stuff that I, yeah. I'm glad in this part, time of my career that I don't have to deal with on a regular basis. So Santa Barbara, she's from here and from San Luis Obispo area. So we, we always used to come up here for vacations or day trips, go to sure. the Santa Barbara Bowl for sure. shows. And and luckily, I was able to, to hire on with the sheriff's department here. Back to the passion. Is it the, is it the serving? Is it the excitement? Is that the, the adventure? I mean, I know you're a CrossFitter, yeah. and I know one of the things that attracts people to CrossFit is the fact that it's literally different every day. Yeah. Is, is that a Yeah, that's of definitely it? some of it. That's I would, the, the passion, to go specifically to the passion, is, you know, I've— I used to I, I didn't sleep very well when I was in the music industry for whatever reason I just too much on my mind or whatnot but uh, I never have a problem sleeping now huh. and I think that's because regardless of the level of activity or the lack of activity throughout a shift uh, I know that we did something good that day hmm. right so every shift ends with the knowledge that I helped somebody or that I accomplished something for the community or for the greater good. Let me ask a specific question about that. Um, in the military, they have this post-engagement uh, ritual called a hot wash, where they talk about what just happened and what we learned. Mm -hmm. And I've watched enough cop drama on TV. There's the everybody in the squad room. This is what we're going to do today. We're looking for this guy, whatever it is. Is there a corresponding end of the day where you kind of 
recap what happened and what you learned and where you actually have that realization, we did something good that day? I, I make a real effort to do that. It's, mm. not, it's not an organized part of a shift, like okay. a briefing at the beginning of a shift is. Right. But I think it's important to point out, especially as a, as a leader in the department, to point out to my guys, you know, look what you were able to accomplish. You know, look what uh, violence you were able to stop or look what uh, situation you were able to get somebody out of, you know, mm. um, and, and point out to them the good that they're doing. Uh, because, you know, there's, there's a financial salary we get, but uh, it's certainly not enough to keep somebody in the job for a career with rotating shifts and missed nights, holidays and weekends and uh, T-ball games and softball mm. games and all sure. that. Sort of, you know, I, I haven't been home for any of the seven last major holidays I've been working. Um, so a financial salary is not going to do that. The psychological salary of the job is what keeps people I haven't there. haven't heard that. Psychological salary. Hmm. Tell me about Fits. that. Yeah. I like that. Well, it's, it's exactly what it sounds like. You know, it's, it's that belief that you, you go home at the end of every day having accomplished something that's, that, you're a, that's part of, that you are part of something bigger than just you. And, um, you know, I, I, there's a lot of disparate views on law enforcement, and that's fine. Um, but I know, regardless of whatever the current climate is or the current attitude is, that every day we do something amazing for people. And 99% of it is never reported on. And it doesn't need to be reported on, you know. Um, because that's just the job. That's just the job. And, yeah. and, and cops will demur a lot to, and, and they'll get embarrassed if you bring these things up because it is Why just part of the job. It's just part of the job. It's just, it's just what you do. And they don't, they don't think terribly in depth about um, what it is they're accomplishing. You know, you're trained to do certain things and you're trained to, to, to handle certain environments. You're trained to do things that most people can't or won't do. And um, they take a lot of quiet pride in that. Um, and that's good. It should be quiet pride. It shouldn't be boastful. But um, it's, it's, it's important that they understand that, that they're, they're doing something that needs to be done, regardless of opinions and attitudes. It has to be done. And they're doing a, um, a sometimes unpopular job, a sometimes very difficult job, a job that, like I say, most people won't do. And that's not bad. I mean, that's not a slam on other people or anything like that. It's, it's you know, we chose to do this. I'm the one who signed right. the application. Yep. Yeah. Right. My brother was a firefighter for years, and one of the rules in the firehouse was that uh, if you ended up uh, in the newspaper or on the news, if there was a picture of you in the newspaper doing your job, just doing your job, that you owed you owed into that you owed that you were in charge of dinner then or you were like there was some kind of like not quite penalty about it but it, it was like that's a thing by the way don't get don't get yeah. boastful yeah. don't you're not you're not a hero just because you did today's work it might be like, it's gonna you know. it's totally cliche but I'm gonna be yeah. responsible for a box of donuts out of this right here oh so. really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go all right just because just because we put you on the air all right oh happy to help happy to help all your guys with yes. some with some extra calories. Yeah. We're throwing some ice cream in there as well. I'm kind of hesitating to ask, like, okay, so uh, where ask does away. where does the department feel the best donuts uh, in the neighborhood are? <laughs> uh, well, I can't speak for the department, of course, because everything yeah. I say here is my own opinion, not that of my department. Nicely but I would said. say uh, Ellers. Ellers, where's on, Ellers? Uh, uh, Upper State. Okay, all right. That's probably probably solid. I'm not yeah. much of a potato based right. donut guy, but I, as you mentioned, I'm a CrossFitter, so I yeah, try to stay I'm away say from the donuts. donuts. We're yeah. not. I'm not going to have Eric listen to the show. And my podcast is about health and fitness, so I would right. you know, tend to tend to uh, discourage the donuts. But no, what's, you're, you're, okay. I'm, so what's the what's the inverse of that then? What what could you bring them that would kind of be the same kind of treat only that wasn't donuts? Oh, I, I'll bring. I usually bring coffee. But oh, you're you're right that it's a thing that if you show up on the front page of the paper, or you're in the news or something like that for you're, doing you're your expected job. For, yeah. You're expected to you know. Bring something in. There you go. Call it tribute. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, pay tribute. Oh, it's pay tribute. Patronage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, you know, the, uh, 
the whole community policing has been in the news for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we really don't hear that here in Santa Barbara, but certainly in, you know, the Midwest and back east, this huge challenge. How, how do we locally, how do you guys talk about those things? About community policing? Yeah. What, where, where are you at on that? You know, it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting thing. We, we, talk, we do talk about community-oriented policing. In fact, I was the community resource deputy for the city of Goleta. Uh, for three years, and that's the that's an assignment. We have one in Carpinteria, we have one in Isla Vista, we have one in uh, in Galita. It's an assignment dedicated to sort of, of of stoking the 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 interest in the fires of community oriented policing with the citizens. So we have it's, a good. Once you describe, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, define it. It's tough to define. I in grad school I did a paper on community oriented policing, and there's 56 different definitions of it depending on who you believe. But essentially, community oriented policing is. The idea that you need to involve the community in their own policing and that you need to keep the community informed and engaged and you need to know the community that you're uh, policing in order to be the most effective. More than just we elected the sheriff and the sheriff just will hire whoever the best people. So like, for example, as a community resource deputy, one of the things I was in charge of was the neighborhood watch program. Right. Um, and I would organize neighborhood watch groups in communities and I would lead them and I'd give them information and then we would be. Are there a lot of those? Yeah, yeah. There's there there are um, business uh, liaison was another thing trying to mm. prevent crime, doing walkthroughs in businesses to try to point out their potential uh, fallacies in their systems for how they might be the victim of crime, mm. um, pa- disseminating information on kind of current trends in in scams and crimes and that sort of stuff. Oh right, sure. Um, there's a lot of different aspects that you can kind of add to that, but that that's the crux of it. Is, is just keeping the community engaged and knowledgeable about what what's going on. And, and taking the, I think an important element is too, is taking the, the local uh, temperature, so to speak, of what they want their police to be. You know, mm. do they want mm. a hard, uh, um, kind of a, not, I don't want to say heavy handed, but a very strict maybe enforcement of the law versus maybe something that's more collegial. Like every single jaywalking ticket we're passing out versus... Right. Versus maybe just informing that this right. is a super dangerous behavior you're doing or whatever. Yeah. Like a good example, I think, is like uh, San Luis Obispo PD for the longest time had some great community-oriented policing initiatives that were all education-based mm-hmm. and the very um, humorous even mm-hmm. um, disbursements and, and, com- and interactions with the public. Because you know, we can accomplish the job and still have fun and still be fun. Sure. Um, we're never going to be as fun as the firemen. <laughs> 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 that's just the truth yeah, yeah. Um, you know but so I, I think that there's their community oriented policing allows for some flexibility uh, in that and you know I, I can't speak for Santa Barbara Police Department uh, because I don't work there obviously but you know we we do our best we do we do a lot with the community resource deputies Isla Vista is another place where that um, that community oriented policing is important but that's a real challenge because you're like what is it? Eighty percent of your population rotates out every four years, uh, or, or more. Well, for or our more. listeners yeah. who I'm, I'm are not from yet. the region, because we've got listeners all over the world. This is the most packed one square mile, uh, potentially in the continental United States, next to University of California Santa Barbara. It's an unincorporated uh, beach community called Isla Vista. Uh, a very interesting dynamic town, but as you say, yeah. the the 80, 80 plus percent of the population rotates out there on a 
almost monthly basis. They're they're coming and going. Wow. You know, every month there's people coming and going and leaving. And uh, yeah, it's and, and I, it's got some its own challenges. Population density there, the age of the uh, of the of the residents there, and none of them own the houses that they're living in. Right. So there's yeah, yeah there's a whole host of issues there mm-hmm. that are just kind of that naturally kind of coincide. Yeah, I mean you're I mean I I'm trying to remember the number but it's 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 like 28,000 30,000 people inside of one square mile. Yeah, and I think you were right when you just said too that it's the highest most densely packed square mile in the, yeah. in the country. Yeah. It's also got the highest property crime mm. rate per capita in the country too. Really? Yeah. Because of things like like we uh, part of our community or policing out there is please lock your doors. <laughs> just just oh. try that. Just give that <laughs> a shot. Just do that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe unlock your bikes up. Yeah. Everybody I know that close ever, your windows when you leave. Yeah. I, w- I went to UCSB and everybody I know lost a bike at least. You know, at least one bike got stolen from them. At least one. You know. Yeah. The great place to get bikes is the UCSB police bike auction once a year. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes, There's yes. thousands <laughs> of bikes out there. Yeah. So yeah. let's own a vector across the, I try to find common themes in the show and, and really around leadership. That's mm-hmm. my, my focus is what, as you said, it's what can you learn about wellness and nutrition on your path? Mine is all about, I want to be an amazing leader and help leaders. Yeah, I do as, too. Exactly. Right. And yeah. so, um, one of the things that I think is really interesting about your job, and I was triggered by this story from last year about how you encountered a guy who was going to jump off a overpass on the freeway. Mm -hmm. And it got me thinking about the first 15 seconds when you're encountering a situation, you show up and you've got to assess and you've got to act quick and do all of those things and and save a life, Mm -hmm. which is not unlike other conversations we've had on the show where it's like, I've got 15 seconds to make a difference here. And I've got to either I'm building rapport, it's a sales thing, or I'm trying to raise money, or whatever it is, that first 15 seconds presents itself over and over again. Right. Tell me how you approach that first 15 seconds. Uh, That's a a tough question because that dynamic in 15 seconds, uh, sometimes it's three seconds. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sometimes that's all you have. Um, 15 seconds is, is... I'm not trying to be dramatic. It's a luxury. Yeah. But I get I get your really? point. Oh, absolutely. I mean, in this, the one you're talking about here, in the, I could walk you through the first 15 seconds. Uh, I'll put a show note to there's a clip on uh, the local television station yeah. where you were interviewed. Yeah. And so I'll put a link in the show notes so someone can go And to be that. clear, because they don't do a good job, I was far from the only person involved in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were highway patrol and other officers were there as well. So I got the attention because I got put on camera. Hmm. Okay. Um, had to buy donuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was most certainly a team effort there too. Um, but I guess the best answer I can give you, uh, well, you meditate, right? Yeah, you're not a, sure. So you're familiar with the idea of kind of the stimulus and the response and that space in between, right? Yes. That, that, that gap. And that is the best thing we can usually do if we have the luxury of time is to um, kind of ingest that stimulus, what, and however, whichever way we're receiving it, and do our best to pause in our response and evaluate what we're seeing and then choose our response from there. That could be a variety of different things. Um, in the situation you're talking about here, it was uh, at first I thought it was going to be attacked. Mm. So I was on the defensive, 
uh, almost immediately. And luckily, um, he wasn't doing that. So those first three seconds, I thought I was going to be in a fight. Um, he backed off, and then I had time. And in, those, in a situation like that, you just try and uh, develop as much time as you can. And frankly, in most situations we deal with, the more time you have, obviously, the better. And you try and create time. Hmm. Almost any... You try to create time. Yeah. How yeah. do you do that? What's an example of that? Uh, well, in this example and in lots, talking. Just talking to him and talking, trying to talk him through this, trying to find out what his concerns were. This was certainly someone in crisis who was... Uh, dual diagnosis, meaning that they have a drug addiction, but also a mental illness, and they're self-medicating the Which illness. Which you don't know any of that. No, uh-uh, no. Um, but, you know, luckily, um, a lot of us have gone through crisis intervention training, and I happen to be one of them, and learned through that that um, developing time or creating time is some of the best, the best thing we can do in, in stalling, basically, and trying to de-escalate their uh, emotions. And uh, like anything, like when my when my five year old has a has a meltdown, right? Uh, the best thing I the, the best thing to make it better is time, right? Well, I can't address it right then and there. I, I've never told my kid to uh, calm down and then for them to be like, oh, okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, oh, dad said to calm down. Oh, I guess yeah. I had to calm down. I'm so glad he said that. It takes That's time. Really, yeah, right? and right. and most situ a lot of situations. I can't say most because we are we encounter. A, such a wide variety of stuff, but uh, if you can create time between the stimulus you're receiving and then what you're, the response you have to make, because sometimes, you know, obviously, eventually you have to make a response, but right. if we can create time in there, that's usually where we succeed because we can bring in different resources, we can um, tactically deploy different things, that sort of stuff. This is reminding me of, there's a uh, viral video going around of these British, uh, British uh, officers encountering a man with a knife. And there's three officers, and they keep stretching the time. They keep they keep kind of pulling and backing away from him mm -hmm. to pull him away from kind of everybody else. And that's all they're looking for is time. Like that's what I see when you describe that. It's like, yeah, how can we slow this down? Because this guy is clearly a problem, and until they can kind of diffuse him. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know if I'm thinking of the same video. Though. I'm thinking I, I saw one British police man with a knife. There were like eight cops. This was the sh yeah. That's were, the shield one. That's the other one. Yeah, they they swarm in on and him. See, that's. In American policing, we shake our head at that and go, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. Because um, a knife will kill you as fast as a gun will. Right, right. And the, granted, we know that most British cops aren't armed with that's, that's firearms. All th none of the three of them had firearms. Right. right. So the, all, all the, but for them, their only option is to create is to do that. time. Yeah. And, and obviously, our last option should be lethal force. Right. But it, in, 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 in American policing, it has to be there as, as, a, as that last resort. So we watch, we've seen some of those videos and just kind of think, wow, I mean, they put themselves in danger, far more danger than I would be comfortable with. Hmm. We had Dr. Joan Rosenberg on a few shows ago, and she talked about these 90-second waves of emotion hmm. that happen. Like, if you can just ride that 90 seconds, you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And I'm just feeling like your day is just a series of these 90-second <laughs> yeah. waves that you're – not that you're going through, but you're – by the situation you're in, yeah. you pull someone over. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, no. Now what did I do? Right? Or, or whatever. Uh -huh. um, now, actually, now that I think of it, 
does the SO, the sheriff's office do that? You pull people over, you just respond to things. I'm thinking. Oh, no, we, we pull people. We're, we are a full functioning agency, just like Santa Barbara Police Department or any other police department in the world. Um, we are contracted by several cities in the county to be their police department, which is why I was the Galita Community Resource Deputy. Galita doesn't have their own police department. They pay us to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, we, we do proactive enforcement. And it's one of the things I like about the sheriff's department in, in, in the way we're set up is that um, we luckily um, have time to go do, out and do that stuff, that proactive enforcement. And it doesn't mean writing tickets necessarily, um, but you catch a lot of crime before it occurs when you're out doing proactive stuff. What's the biggest misconception? Now that you, you, we've got the voice, we've got the ear of this person listening, what's the biggest misconception they, the public has about public safety and policing oh boy there's a lot well, um, give me three give that you three. Did you want you'd like to correct yeah i'd like to correct like, yeah go on the record yeah. uh okay first one um is that the vast majority of law enforcement officers are very very smart people um okay they uh chose this job because it was, as I say, a calling. You're just talking about an advanced degree. You had a, you, yeah, you have I have a grad. A, I have an MPA. I have a master's. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's becoming commonplace. Yeah. There are numerous departments where you have to have a bachelor's to even get considered. Uh, some of a, some of the schooling is not necessarily collegiate, though. I mean, there's within within policing, there is a lot of education that can be accomplished through the California, in our area, California Peace Officer Standards and Training, which oversees the certification of police officers, and they offer a ton of classes and, and, and knowledge-based learning. So um, that's number one. That's number one. Uh, number two, uh, we don't like to be mean. <laughs> okay. That's I, don't know how, sure. I don't that's, know how to put that. No, I. The, We're not out there to ruin your day. Right. We have right. no. We take no joy in that. Is that kind of the the chip on the shoulder crit- critique that people get all the time, wh- where it's like, oh, that the cop cops are are kids that have that had chips on their shoulder when they were a kid, and now they're an adult, so they like to dish it back out. Uh, yeah, that could that could be it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, I think it probably comes from, uh, you know, I, I pull Mark. If I were to pull you over, right, and I was perhaps gruff or, or, or just, um, back to that first 15 seconds, those first 15 seconds. I'm like, here, uh, here's why I stopped you license and registration insurance, please. Okay. Wait in your car. I'll be back. And I come back with a ticket book and I'm not really, you know, we're not debating this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, whatever. I'm just saying, you know, like you, people should keep in mind, and I know it's hard. It's very, very hard for people to understand someone else's perspective, much less a perspective of a job that they'll never understand. Right. Is that, they don't know what that officer just did or came from immediately prior to that mm. car stop mm. uh, or what um, else is going on. So uh, it's it's the kind of thing, I mean, <laughs> uh, the other night I was on scene of a triple homicide huh. and was dealing with that. And then an hour later was doing exactly that, pulling a car over. Right. right? So... Not necessarily. I mean, I, I hope I wasn't gruff with the person. I you're you're be, professional, but, hopefully. Yeah. 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 But um, that's the you talk about ebb and flow and all that. Ninety seconds. That's right. that's what right. a comp in one in one shift. We had a triple homicide. We had a suicidal subject armed with a knife and high on meth who was threatening his her mom. Hmm. Uh, we had an active burglary at a major electronics store where we thought the suspect was still inside, and me and three other guys had to go in and search it looking for the. 
burglar. In, into a dark space. Into a dark space. No yeah. knowledge of how many, right. who. None of that. Yeah. Uh, and then all the run-of-the-mill calls in between that. <laughs> Just... That's one shift, right? Yeah, yeah. Brake lights and all this now, stuff. Now, obviously, a triple homicide is pretty unusual, so that's not sure. every day. But that's a day could run the gamut from of all that, and it's tough to it's tough to sometimes deregulate or downregulate from that. So, my question on the we don't like to be mean. What kind of personality testing do you do to weed that out? Because I'm going to guess to your point earlier, Patrick, that. The, the field is going to attract a certain amount of people who say, oh, great, I got a gun and I get to do this. And, and you need to weed that out early yeah. and often. Mm-hmm. And it, is that in fact true? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a 10-step application process to get in. And part of that is um, you go through a background investigation where they you fill out a, I don't know, 30-page packet on your entire life history. They talk to everybody, ex-girlfriends, ex-landlords, uh, ex-friends, all those things, and a lot of stuff gets brought up there. Um, they also uh, put you through a polygraph test and um, two different personality tests to test for different things. After the 10-step application, that's when you go through the academy. And Wait, we, so that's just to get into the academy, those 10 steps? Yeah. Wow. So when I applied, there were 580 people that applied, and they hired five of us. Whoa. Right. And that's about standard, yeah, you know, less than one percent. So yeah. a lot of people want to get into the field. Yeah. Not so much anymore. The, the, the last couple of years have had a real hit on applications. Tough, but right. in general, yeah, that's about what it is. So. So, the, yeah, then you have the academy, which is about six months long. And that's like the combination of a college course and boot camp at the same time. And then you have field training, which can go from 12 to 20 weeks. And, and then you're still on probation for And how then you're long? on probation for a year. Yeah, for four years. Where for another year after you're off field training, you can get fired for any reason. Anything. Just anything. Just anything. Yeah. Look, at the, look at the commander the wrong way and they could. <laughs> they could. Well, they've got a lot invested in you, so they want you to succeed. They do, but at the same time, the last thing that they want is to uh, indoctrinate a problem into the agency for the next 20 to 30 years. Right. Yeah. Because if they let something go and they let someone get off of probation, it becomes a lot harder to fire them because of civil service rules. So they know that they need to nip it in the bud early Early, if yeah. they see problems because, they don't, like they said, otherwise 30 years down the road they're going to have to deal with this same issue. With both of our focus on leadership, how, how, what's your radar like when you're <coughs> looking for leaders? Because you're always kind of growing the next corporals and the next sergeants yeah. and the next what, – what are the kind of things you look for? Um, enthusiasm for people. Is enthusiasm prob- for people. Yeah. I think huh. that's the key. That was, it's interesting you said that like instantly. Uh, it, maybe it's on the top of my head because we recently did a, uh, a test for uh, what we call it senior deputy. It's the equivalent of corporal, but basically my right hand man. So, yeah. um, but that's what, I, that's what I want in someone who, who is um, passionate about the people they work with and developing the skills that those people want to develop. And that's by far the, the the biggest thing. I can teach someone how to fill out a form or how to fill out a work comp claim. Dot or, I's and cross right, T's. Like, and, yeah. Right. That's that's all stuff that's that that can be taught. But it's it's pretty intuitive uh, to find people who, um, who other people gravitate towards, and who kind of naturally have an ability to lead. There is definitely a, an element of people or a, a type of person that just has people drawn to them. I, I've worked sure. with I've worked with a bunch of them through my career. And the kind of person you'd say, I would follow that guy into a gunfight. 
you always have to wonder, well, why is that? Why would I? And it's and it's their enthusiasm for their people, ability to instill trust instantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're technically competent, right? Right. So that so that that's where the trust comes from. They did the homework. They did the they did the the practice. Mm-hmm. They got there. Yeah. Do you still get number three? Is you still yeah, you can still mis- get a number third. Oh wow, uh, third, third misconception. thing misconception. Um, so they're smart. They don't like to smart. be mean. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Don't like to be mean. That's pretty good. That's good. Um, that's a bumper sticker for the back of your cruiser. Yeah. <laughs> or for the front of the cruiser, I'm maybe. So, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean. <laughs> this is not me being mean. This is me <laughs> enforcing this community's uh, you know, standards. Um, yeah, uh, I think one, I this one, I, I'm speaking for myself, I guess, but maybe mm-hmm. that we, um, we, we care very deeply about our, our fellow citizens. Right. And it's not us versus them. Yeah. And and even from our side, it's easy to fall into that. Right. If it, if as kind of a knee jerk reaction. Civilians to and us. Yeah. And, yeah. But that's really not it at all. It's we're there because we care about our, our fellow citizens. Right. And I got this. I got, I'll quote a guest from my show, uh, Navy SEAL Clint Bruce, who uh, talk about leaders. Man. Um who, when he's thanked for his service in the military, he says, you were worth it. Oh, oh good I love answer. That. Right? Good answer. Good answer. And yeah. that's ex- when he said that on my show, I, my uh, that light bulb went off in my head. Like, that's exactly that's right. That's why you're that's, doing right. it. That's right. exactly the right way to explain it to This people. community's so, worth it. Yeah, you're worth it. You're this worth is, me missing, you know, birthdays, holidays, holidays weekends, yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's I think that's a huge that 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 one does land uh, pretty heavy when when we have this concept of criminal, as if you could graduate into the criminal class, become criminal, and then you are just a criminal for the rest of your life. Mm. Versus, you know, like it's a profession. Like oh, I got hired as a criminal, <laughs> you know, and it's like no, you 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 had an infraction, you participated in a criminal act, mm. you were you you were out of you were out of the parameters of, of of healthy community living or society, but you're not you haven't entered a a permanent state from which you can never return. And and that and that the solution that, that the police are in the inverse version where the police are just uh, a group of people who you know sit isolated and cloistered and, and just you know dish out tickets. Right. They're community members, and when they you know take off their badge, they're still uh, you know sworn officers, but they're community members. Mm-hmm. They're, they're 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 part of this. Right. They're not you know. You know it's funny, and maybe maybe this is a fourth, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's another misconception people have is that we're out writing tickets all the time and that right. sort of stuff because the only about 17% of the population is ever going to come in contact with the police during an official contact. Yeah. Out of 331 million people, only about 17%. Right. Um, some of those are going to be tickets. The average person, the run-of-the-mill person, the person listening to this podcast, um, the person who works in this building, that's all the interaction they're going to have with us unless maybe they're a witness to a crime or they're reporting a crime, a victim sure. of a crime. Sure. They are not going to be the people that, the, you know, Pareto's law, the 80% of the, or 20% of the people that we deal with 80% of the time. Oh, right, right, right. Right. So oftentimes people's perception is that we're just out constantly writing tickets and revenue generating or whatever. Right. And that's really not the majority of what our job is. Our majority of the job is dealing with that 20% of the people all the time, hmm. you know, and kind of keeping them, keeping them at bay from the rest of us, so to speak. The chief of the LAPD the other day said in, in a response to uh, about about viol- about these incidences between officers and, and, and the community, he said, uh, you know, we have over a million uh, contacts. What do you call it? Official contact? 
Yeah, yeah, official yeah. contact. Yeah. With you know, with so that means there's a there's a million people that, or a million moments where police officers are engaged with the public uh, in an official contact. Less than statistically speaking, an insignificant amount of those result in lethal force or you know the, yeah. you know the, the, this kind of this, mm, these mm. these things that get all of the news and right. it's that it's that 80-20% where it's like well no everything we do that that it is of this heightened awareness you know or of this violence or whatever that all gets on the news but nobody right. sees the 900 900 you know 90,000 right. uh, participations in, in the community that don't in, don't result in that right know? so right yeah, there's a joke or like some meme that goes around like you know uh, not seen on the news today. Uh, <laughs> 99.99% of law enforcement officers did their job without hurting somebody. Yeah, nothing uh, happened today. Nothing happened. Yeah, yeah, we ended shift with absolutely no... Uh, right. Yeah. John Palminteri was not outside stalking right, us. Right, <laughs> right. What's the, what's the biggest challenge for you? Oh, wow. You know, the, we, we like to talk as about dragons. Well, as we a talk, we talk We talk about dragons on the show, right? It's not all great. Right. right. There's there's challenges. Right? Sure. There's, you know, the stuff you've got to push through. You learn lessons from that makes you better at what you do. Mm-hmm. What do you, what, are, what are those challenges? The, the, maybe a surprising challenge. Uh, OK. The, there's some good challenges and there's bad challenges, I guess. Right. I guess. Well, the other way to look at it is all challenges are good because you learn something from okay. them. Fair enough. Um, I say good challenge in the sense that uh, being a patrol sergeant is a challenge. But it's a challenge that I love and that I uh, really um, think I have the best job in the department for, or that I have the best job in the department. Um, Leading a group of seven people on a daily basis and motivating them and educating them and inspiring them to go out and do their best work is a good challenge. Uh, A bad challenge, if there were a bad challenge, uh, night shift. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Ten years, essentially, of rotating shifts, I'm over it. Uh, and mm-hmm. just again through my show, learning all the detrimental effects of of the of sleep deprivation and the higher cortisol levels and the, all do the you, things. Do you do you see a solution to that? I mean, like, because w- w- my sister in law is a, a, a night shift nurse uh, yeah. with the same rotating type thing, and I have friends who I a lot of our of our generation kind of has been going through this rotating shift concept. Is there a better solution that you've seen or heard of or no? There's Not no fix. Us. There's just no fix for it. No, I don't. I don't think there is. Uh, without being unfair to the night shift guys, or without you know, like if it was just a permanent night shift. Yeah, I don't think that's any better. Right. Uh, because your body is naturally set to be awake during the day. Yeah. And we we rotate every four months. I was talking to a guy the other day who rotates every two weeks. Yeah. Day wow. shift, night shift. Like, how do you ever get on this right schedule? You don't. I, you don't. You don't. So, um, you know, most the average cop dies five years after they retire. What? Yeah. Terrifying. Right? Terrifying. Really? Yeah. Uh, because of all of the um, ancillary problems that come with the work. Yeah. Right? High blood pressure. Oh, high yeah. blood pressure, uh, heart disease. Uh, you know, there's lots of issues with physical fitness in law enforcement uh, because, as most people are surprised to hear, there's no, most departments don't have a physical aptitude requirement huh. once you get hired. Right. So unlike the fire department. Well, I was just going to say, which is different than fire. Right. Most every fire department I've ever heard of requires a certain physical Constant. fitness, right? And they the get tip. paid to work out on duty, and they get yeah, yeah. time during their duty hour, duty yeah. time to go work out. That's that's some that that, right. and that's not. But you guys don't have that. No, you should. I, you would think so. Yeah, 
That's well, as a community, part of, part of my mission, as a community, yeah, as a community member, I would like my police force to be healthy, and absolutely, not, not have high blood pressure. I, and I and need stress. you to be able to run and solve the problem, <laughs> right, and right. go outrun the bad guys right. and do all that. You stuff. want us to outrun the bad guy, but you also want us to be. Everybody knows when you're in better shape, you're in better mental shape. Well, just you, so you want a cop with a good mental head, right. sure. You uh, don't, as a, a taxpayer, you don't want to be paying for the heart attack or the bad back or that the bad back. Stuff. I don't want you to hurt yourself in the line because then I'm covering uh, right. an employee that's not working anymore. Right. I mean, not directly, but you know, right. like, yeah, sure, but, that's, sure. but as a as, as a, a community, community right. yeah, we should know that 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 having healthier employees right. uh, will prevent those L and I those you know is, disabilities. Well, we're on to something here. Is this? Um, <laughs> it's another podcast. Well, I, we it, well, no, there is one. It's called the Squad Room. Yeah, it's yeah, called it's, the Squad it's, Room. It's Look it about, up. It's all about that. Um, is this something that's a conversation at the leadership levels? Uh, no, to be mm. frank, it, it's becoming one at a national level in terms of recognizing that this is important. I don't know why it's taking a national level conversation for people to realize this, that this is important. Uh, CrossFit as a organization has been very pro, is always, has always been very pro law enforcement. And that's a, a, one of the right. reasons I think law enforcement is very drawn to CrossFit. Right. Uh, but they go out and they do a lot to educate police departments on the need for physical fitness with their mm -hmm. officers. And, so, and not necessarily always within the department, that's the issue. Uh, I have had a lot of police chiefs on my show who, who do have programs and who have endorsed programs. And one of the problems that consistently gets brought up, and this has been my experience, is risk management. Hmm. Is worried that if we have a gym on campus, oh, I see. that I, mean, I drop a weight on my toe and I break my toe, and I'm out for three or four weeks <laughs> with a broken toe, but they don't see the longer term right. issue of, well, Less that might happen. You could dodge but bullets better, but but I might have uh, my I might throw my back out and be out a year. Yeah, yeah. and what are you going to pay for then? Or the heart attack, which is going to cost you a quarter million dollars to fix. Yeah, um, yeah. So to it's a short short term but, view. Yeah. It's yeah. a short term view that we need to change to a long term view, and it's edu it's just an education thing. And when you run the when you show people the numbers, which they get it. Um, it's we haven't we haven't gotten there yet. I think I think this generation that's emerging into the leadership role. You know what I mean? Like, like the more of you that, that move up into the place where you get to make those decisions, you guys are going to bring those value systems with you, I would hope. Uh, yeah, that's my expectation. Yeah. What's your um, 10, 15 years from now? Were you running in the department? Are you the <laughs> sheriff? Uh, well, uh, no. <laughs> All these shows come back to haunt you. <laughs> We'd like to hire you, but in 2016, yeah. you... Uh, well, uh, uh, I, I don't know. To be That's the honest answer is I don't know. Um, I really enjoy what I'm doing right now, um, but would enjoy the opportunity to do other things as well, either specialty assignments or um, potentially at some point uh, promoting uh, up, up a rank or two. But um, I don't have any desire to do that right now. I, I've got my, I got my hands and my head full right now, and I'm enjoying that. Right. So I'm trying to focus on... Uh, kind of just what's in front of me. Well, and you're on a mission with Squad Room too. I mean, you've got a you've got a torch you're carrying there, right? Yeah, and it's been uh, it's been a fun torch to carry. It's that's that's been a lot of my uh, my focus. Uh, this you know it's snowballed from a idea to a hobby to um, kind of a quasi business. I, I we know the feeling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it's like that. It 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 does become all encompassing, and as it turns out, we've completely burned through 40 
six minutes just like that. Just like that. I knew it was going to happen like that. I just uh, that. Does your show go like that? Just yeah. gone? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that part about it, uh, especially when you get a great conversation. We talked about uh, the challenges. I loved the, the three misconceptions. I would, I'd, we get to that part in the show where we get to name, put a big bow around this. Um, h- how do you come up with titles for your show? Uh, I try to pick the biggest theme that came out of the conversation mm-hmm. or uh, the biggest lesson from that person and try to um, try to use that somehow. So we're going to do that in real time. All right. So what are we going to call this show? You're putting me on the spot. I, by design. <laughs> he makes him squirm. That's yes. his favorite part. <laughs> yes. Because yeah. um, the, the listener right now is trying to recall the last 45 minutes. And they're, they're coming up with their idea. And they're thinking about it as well. And we'll see if we all arrive at the same title. I've got mine. Oh. Will you, be, you hold that? Okay. My, I don't like mine, but I got one. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, what is it? Uh, it doesn't make enough sense. Singing on peace, but I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. On peace, officer. Yeah. I have uh, uh, cops don't want to be mean. <laughs> that's the one that's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, or cops aren't being mean, or what? However you put it, like, like we don't want to be mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like it's not. That's not the you know. But I do, I, I do think putting law enforcement somehow inside of inside of the uh, the title would make sense. Or squad, a squad room visit, a visit from the squad room, or oh. something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah okay, there like we go. That. Okay, a visit to or from. I'm from because he's here. Otherwise, we'd go over there. It's true. See, you're so literal. I love that. (laughs) My art background. (laughs) Garrett, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun. And and I appreciate just, you know, on behalf of the citizens here, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I just can't imagine what it's like to have to go into a dark building and know someone doesn't want to be found or Mm. something horrific has happened and you've got to deal with it um that's just that's just got to you got to figure out a way to w- let that stuff wash over you and i don't i can't do it i'm glad you're doing it thank you so much uh i really appreciate that well like deeply. i said you're worth it oh, nice. <laughs> i love it well played so thanks again garrett very much thank uh, you. we can find you in the squad room go on itunes and look for that yep squadroom.net there you go, squadroom.net. And thanks again to California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and & Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, Pull String Press, for this great studio, and Cielo24, who provides the searchable captions for our show. The 805 Connect project is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. I want to thank all of them. If you are interested in, in partnering with us and helping to sponsor this mission we're on, Go to 805connect.com, look at the partners page. It tells you all about it. And Patrick, um, someone who is thinking about law enforcement, or maybe this is the first time they've actually had a conversation where they weren't getting a ticket and saying, yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) What else could they do with this podcast? Well, um, I think that this is one of those podcasts that will particularly appeal to a new listener, but maybe specifically a new listener who is involved in law enforcement. So if there's Ah. a law enforcement friend you have out there, uh, reach out to them. It sounds like they have uh, a need of some more podcasts in their lives. So mention the squad room, mention 805 Conversations. uh, And if you have to, grab their phone and uh, program it in for them. Makes it easy. Mm Mm-hmm. 
remember, um, we can use your support to do that. And if you've got a comment you want to make, send me a note, mark at 805connect.com. Let me know um, how we can make the show better. Or if you've got a great question, I, I love getting questions, uh, new questions. I'm, I, I'm a question collector. I love that. Um, so uh, until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. Conversations.